to C3 Church Hepburn Heights. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. So welcome to week two of Wisdom I Wish I Had Earlier. Let's all just exhale. I feel like it's an exhale morning. It's getting a little bit warmer and a little bit more toasty in here. So this is a series we're bouncing out of the book of Proverbs. Just a couple of things to remember when we're looking at the book of Proverbs is that that is wisdom literature. It comes in that wisdom literature category. And it's best to read Proverbs as a series of maxims about how to do life well. And so when we're reading Proverbs, we're not reading about promises or absolutes, but rather we're reading about general principles. Because sometimes you can feel like you're reading Proverbs and they almost contradict each other to a certain extent. So it's important to recognise them as general principles, that there are a number of nuances in the language and a number of varying contexts. So I'm going to kick off week two today. And we're going to hear today a couple of insights from an incredible group of people. So let me introduce them to you because two of them are going to be on our screens. After me in a moment, we have Pastor Richard Green. And I know he is like our one of our favourite uncles here at C3 Hepburn Heights. He's a senior pastor, leadership guru. He's recently authored and published a book called Movement. And get this, Pastor Richard Green is a church planter over of, of over a hundred churches predominantly in the Middle East. Amazing, like literally amazing the work that is being done there through him. So he's coming up in just a moment after me. And then following that, we have Pastor Simon McIntyre. So yes, he is husband of Valerie that we heard from last week. They are the regional directors of C3 America. Americas, he's a writer, a theologian and a thinker. But what I particularly love about Simon is that he is an articulator of many of the complexities and paradoxes of the Christian faith. And he's not afraid to call things out and challenge us in very real ways. Following Pastor Simon McIntyre, we have the one and only Pastor Jason Schroeder who is one of my favourite people and operates in a powerful... No, he is. He's one, he's one, no, no, he is my favourite person. Who operates in a powerful intersection of faith and wisdom. And I know what you will love what he is going to share today. So that is what is coming up. Two of them are on the screen. We're getting used to this hybrid context, are we not? But let me launch us today with just a key thought. So wisdom I wish I had earlier is in the realm of communication. I'm going to talk for a moment about communication and I want you to consider this in relation to interpersonal relationships. So be it in your marriage, be it in your family life, be it in your work or your team life, I want you to consider interpersonal relationships. So when it comes to communication, some of us are what I like to term as blurters. Um, So I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but there was a little bit of guffawing there in the uh, congregation. So you know who you are, or maybe someone next to you does. And uh, the lovely blurters amongst us perhaps don't have as detailed process between what they think and what they speak. Uh, I think it, therefore I say it, right? (laughs) 
<laughs> yes to the blurters. There are some of us who are verbal processors. I am married to one of these, whereby the process of thinking and chewing thoughts actually comes out through their mouth. So it's like they're thinking telling at the same time. I'm having this thought and I'm just going to share it as I consider it and chew upon it. Some of us, amongst us, and this may be me, uh, take a long time to consider what they want to say before they open their mouth. They want what is coming out of their mouth to be very neat and tidy (laughs) and to be resolved and formulated and valid and real because they like the idea of there being clarity in their words. Some of us maybe are interrupters where we spend our life in conversation waiting for our opportunity to speak. <laughs> and uh, then we launch in with our, our conversation, our key points. And this seems to be a thing that I am teaching my children a little bit at the moment about. Anyway, present company excluded. Hey, Millie. Anyway, there are many others in between of these sorts of facets of communication. But the point here that I'm trying to make is that communication is really diverse. It's really complex and it's a learnt skill. And often when you talk to people that have been married for a, for a number of years, they'll say, what's the secret of your marriage success? And they'll say, communication, which is true. But I think that that doesn't give anywhere near the depth of what that communication actually is or the skills involved or the strategies involved or the systems or techniques involved in communication. So how to communicate effectively actually requires practice. It actually requires learning. It actually requires modelling. It it requires learning the art of good communication. And some of us grew up with great expert communicators that we could glean from and see from and, and learn from. Others of, uh, others of us maybe learnt communication and the way we do communication maybe with people that were less than ideal. Proverbs 15.1, which is what I'm going to centre this in as I finish today. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so the key here that I want to just bounce out of and just want to speak into, but for a moment, is that word soft. A soft answer, a soft beginning, a soft response. That can turn away anger, that can snuff out anger, that that can dial down and diffuse the situation. So what here the proverb is calling out is that it's not just what we say, it's how we say it. The the tone of the words that we are communicating is key. The tone in which we communicate is key. And here Proverbs is emphasising the power of soft. Soft, soft communication in our interpersonal relationships. Now, before I lose you, soft doesn't mean weak. This isn't suggesting that we are to be pushovers in conversation, that that we just let people railroad conversations, that, that we never speak what we are thinking. It is here meaning that soft communication, a soft response, a soft answer means to be measured, or as the Amplified says, means to be thoughtful. 
that there is a thoughtfulness in the way that we relate in our words. There is a thoughtfulness in the way that we answer, that there is a thoughtfulness in the way that we respond, that softness will actually diffuse, right? Simple, really. Simple. So we are all doing it all the time, clearly, right? Certainly wisdom that I could have done with earlier. Now, Gottman, who is a relationship expert, actually has this concept called the soft startup. And Gottman and his team conducted a six-year longitudinal study where they could end up predicting the likelihood of divorce in a couple just by observing the first three minutes of a conflict discussion. The first three minutes of the way a couple interacted, he could then determine how likely they were going to end in divorce. And so this longitudinal study proved that if you softly started a conflict discussion, you would more than likely end well and so your relationship would continue on in a healthy way. So in essence, how you begin a conversation will determine how you end it. So if we want to end our interactions, end our conversations, well, softness is the key. And so this doesn't just pertain to marriages. This is in all manner of our interpersonal relationships, be it with our team or our work colleagues or our siblings or our children. We are positioned and encouraged here in Proverbs to begin softly, to consider what we are saying, to respond softly, to have a thoughtful answer, a measured response. And in turn, by doing this, this will actually dial down anger. So what could a soft statement, a soft sentence, a soft response look like in terms of that thoughtfulness and that measuredness? Well, it can be coming up to your spouse or your work colleague or your team player and say, hey, can we talk about something? Or something's been rolling around in my head. Can I let you in? Can we get on the same page about this idea? Hey, I'd love you to help me understand why you did that in that scenario. You're so important to me, I just need to share with you where I'm at. I can hear you're upset, help me understand what you're feeling. Just pithy, short, soft, measured, thoughtful openers and answers can create this beautiful realm of communication. And so I'd encourage you, whether you're a blurter or a verbal processor or a withholder, an interrupter, or any of those things, learning the art and developing in the art of communication, of good, godly communication, actually takes time and it takes skill. So I'd encourage Holy Spirit to prompt you this week, to interrupt you as you're chatting at home with whoever that may be or chatting in your work environment. Are you utilising the principles of softness in communication? And if you're not, allow Holy Spirit to prompt you, to teach you, to train you in that area. Let's be those that are soft, thoughtful, measured in our communication in all facets of our interpersonal relationships. Here's Pastor Richard Green. Hi, C3 Hepburn Heights. It's wonderful to be with you. I want to share with you wisdom I wish I had when I was a lot younger. You know, one of the things I really struggled with when I, I first got born again 
was how to make decisions. Probably I was my own worst enemy because I was constantly looking for a how, a formula. And so I would read stuff and I would torture myself. It was like I was divided on the inside. And all these years later, and there it is in the scriptures, Proverbs 11.3 says, The integrity of the upright guides them. See, we get really focused on the how-tos, but it's there's something deeper. It's the what. Now, the integrity is what will lead us. Now, integrity is a wonderful word. It's beautiful. It is possible to confuse the idea of integrity, thinking that integrity is telling the truth. But actually, you can tell the truth and not have integrity. However, you can't have integrity and not tell the truth. The word integrity is a beautiful word. It means literally running together. It means the inside and the outside are consistent. And the reason this is important for guidance, as it says in James 1.6, the double-minded, the divided person can't receive anything. They're unstable. We can focus a lot on how-tos, but what's really important is that we focus on the inside of ourselves, the coming together, making sure things flow together, that what we say and what we do are consistent. That guides us integrity. When people are looking at building structures, engineers, they'll, they'll talk a lot about the integrity of the material. If the material has integrity, it will stand under pressure, and most of our decisions have to be made Well, a lot of decisions, not all of them, but many decisions have to be made under pressure. Now, when they look at the material, if there are foreign bodies or materials in the material, it weakens. So one of the things that we need to make great decisions and have wisdom is to make sure that we're working on who we are as people. Rather than on a how-to, which is external, we need to look at what's in here. The word integrity is also very similar to the word sincere or sincerity in the New Testament. I love this word. When they used to make earthen vessels, what they would do, pots, they would light a candle once that pot was finished and and fired and through the kiln, and those vessels were uh, were quite porous. And if they put a light on the inside, a candle on the inside, they became translucent and they could see if there were any impurities. Now, if that pot was without cracks or impurities, they would put a stamp on it. And the stamp was a very similar word in the Greek to the Hebrew word of integrity, which was the word sincere. It meant without cracks. If it had cracks, they would break it down again and not sell that. What guides us? It's not a how-to that we need. We need to look at bringing things together. So as you're about to make any decisions, rather than looking for a formula, take a bit of time to go to the Lord and say, Lord, show me if there are things that are not I'm not working together. And just work for a few days on pulling everything together so the inside and the outside of your life, and that will require some repentance, is consistent. And if you live consistently and there's integrity, everything coming together, that guide you, you'll make the right decisions. Hey, God bless. So just a series of truth bombs there from Pastor Richard. (laughs) So I'd encourage you to actually go back and potentially watch that on YouTube, listen to it online, because that was three minutes and 50 seconds (laughs) of probably about seven key revelations, right? Which is very typical of Pastor Richard. We're now going to continue this beautiful series 
And coming up on the screens now as you open your heart is Pastor Simon McIntyre. Hey, C3R Hepburn Heights, uh, Simon McIntyre here speaking to you from England. Uh, my privilege to be with you. I'm going to be talking out of the book of Proverbs in your series, and my proverb reading is from Proverbs 3, verses 13 to 20, which reads thus, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom, and the one who gets understanding, for the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. Um, just some thoughts, some takeaways for you. Firstly, I'm going to clear my throat. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's part of the live scene. Solomon actually collected his sayings from all over. He didn't, as most of you will understand, write them all, but he collected them. Some of them were actually collected from other cultures because there's a common wisdom that's common to our humanity. You don't have to be a Christian or an Israelite to actually make good sense. And so he gathered these sayings. But the thing that is important here is that why did he gather the sayings? Solomon sought out wisdom. He sought out understanding. You have to seek for her. You have to, you've got to look for understanding. It's not something inherent or natural to us. I think left to ourselves, we're virtual fools. But if you search out wisdom and search out understanding, you will find her. And I think that means that we have to have an, an appetite to want to learn to read, to listen, to take note and to, and to like coalesce all of what you're learning and listening to and taking note on and out of it will come a sense of wisdom for life. I, I, I'm sorry I have to say this, but wisdom accrues with age. You can't go to a university and do a BA in wisdom. You might learn about the process of wisdom, but wisdom is a life skill, not able to be easily um, bought. But you have to have a hunger. To know and grow is vital for, for wisdom to be uh, understood and for understanding to be gained. Do you know, um, over the uh, many years of my Christian life, I've had a constant prayer. I would say for the last 15 years, Two of my constant prayers have been very simple prayers. The first one, as I imagine you can guess, is the Lord's Prayer. And I say that regularly, just the words that Jesus said, because it covers most of the deep needs of life and of um, God receiving glory through our lives. But secondly, I have a prayer that goes like this, exactly like this actually. Lord, give me wisdom and grant me favour. I don't pray it every day, but I pray it a lot because I, I feel left to myself, I often don't know what I'm meant to do in certain circumstances. But, but because I'm seeking for wisdom, I often find myself in circumstances, um, able to advise those circumstances with even advice that quite surprises me. It's because I'm asking the Lord, Lord, <clears throat> give me wisdom. 
And the other one, grant me favour. Well, that's not hard to want to pray, is it, to be granted favour in life? So that's my first thought, is that it's a consistent prayer. And, uh, and I believe it's very important for each one of us. Just interesting, one of the definitions of wisdom is to not think you're wise. Many people would think wisdom is defined by what you have accumulated, but actually wisdom can be equally defined by what you don't know. So for me to say, Lord, I don't know, that's wisdom. Because it's saying I don't trust in my own understanding. I don't lean on my own wisdom, but I'm looking to learn and looking for God to speak to me. Do you know, I'm a voracious reader. I'm reading all the time. I have books everywhere to read. And it's not just to, to, to fill in time. I love to learn. I love to understand. And by the way, the more that you learn, the more that your conversation will, be, um, will have some intelligence about it. And uh, I know um, a little about a lot, <laughs> which, which, which does well in conversations, but you shouldn't press it too far. You find out what I don't know. It's also interesting that the next verses say that wisdom is more valuable than money. And, you know, when you're young, you'd go, what? I'd rather have the money. But actually, wisdom is better than money because wisdom will teach you how to use money, but money will never give you wisdom. Wisdom will tell you um, what to do and what not to do, and it'll, it'll guide your praying, whereas sometimes if you just had a bank load of cash, you could make some very, very poor decisions. So I think it's, uh, in one sense, I almost don't care about the money. I ask God for wisdom. What do I do here? How do I spend here? Where do I go? What's the market looking like? Etc. And I think that, that Solomon's saying that, that wisdom is more important than money. It, in fact, that's not just, you know, like a cynical philosophical saying. It's profoundly practical. And uh, I urge you, don't think about money. Think about wisdom. Because wisdom also can bring money. And my last thought that comes with, with, uh, in this, these few minutes is that, um, is that wisdom is, is, has a feminine personification in the Scriptures. And uh, what's being said here is that it's like wisdom has a female aspect. Now, we're made in God's image. And God's image is, is understood in male and female. God is not a man or a woman. Neither. But inside God... There's the aspects of all of our humanity in ways far too deep and rich for us to understand. But it's interesting that wisdom is treated like a feminine thing. And wisdom is there in the creation. Some would liken wisdom to the spirit, the spirit of wisdom. So wisdom is not just a, a, uh, like a human capacity, a thing to learn. Wisdom is also about the very nature and being of God himself. My friends, get wisdom. It'll take you a long way. So good. Thank you, Simon. I don't think he could hear that clap from England. It's, uh, it's good. Simon, I saw my mate Simon over here too. Met at Alpha. Team are doing an amazing job at Alpha. Seriously, Corey and Lisa and, and the crew. And, and it was nice hanging out with you, Simon. It's a good name, eh? Good, good guys are called Simon. Okay, final thought. Have you got room in the brain for one more? Yeah. It's, uh, it's a bit like reading through Proverbs. Again, you, you have thought after thought after thought, and then you take a hold of what's pertinent for you in that, in that right moment. So here's some good news for us. As we go through life, there are an infinite number of options, of challenges, and of difficulties. Amen. God bless you. Uh, 
And how confident are you to navigate these with wisdom? It's a, it's a good question. And th- there's a principle here that I think is so, so crucial and wisdom I wish I had earlier. And, and let's see. So Proverbs eleven fourteen: For lack of wisdom, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. Proverbs twelve fifteen: The way of fools seems right to them. That's scary. But the wise listen to advice. Proverbs 15.22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. In Proverbs 27.17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And what we see here in these Proverbs is the principle of wise counsel, the principle of wise counsel for us to search out wisdom and wisdom that is in others. And uh, probably from around 20, I guess, I started exercising this principle somewhat and it would have been in my best interest to have done so a lot earlier uh, but didn't think that was necessary. So around 20 I started and, and have built a framework of intentionally seeking wise counsel but even just considering these thoughts and preparing for this I went this is still something that I underutilize that I exercise the, the principle of wise counsel regularly but I could a whole lot more. You know, as I I look back on 45 years, I see my worst decisions, my missed opportunities, where I gave up too early, or I said yes instead of no, or no instead of yes. Those were predominantly places where I neglected the principle of wise counsel. And this is scary. Again, Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of fools seems right to them. Whew. But the wise listen to advice. And so I made foolish, de- foolish decisions that seemed right to me. That good counsel, good advice could have saved me from some interesting outcomes. So on the flip side, my best decisions, so they haven't all been bad. Uh, or I guess I wouldn't be here today. Uh, my, my best decisions, my seized opportunities where I was able to push through, where I said scary yeses and said no to very enticing sidetracks were predominantly where I utilised the principle of wise counsel. Wise counsel either helped me find the right direction or it simply improved the direction that I was on. Wise counsel makes everything better. So I have no doubt, no doubt that God does and wants to speak to his people, to us in the here and now, today in our time. But I, I don't know the exact percentage because there, there wouldn't be one, but it, it could possibly be something like 90% of God's communication to us comes through the Bible and through others. And sometimes we can be waiting in the closet Wanting to that that secret little space where we're we're wanting God to speak or or guide, and He's saying, "I have in my Word and in wisdom stored in the people around you." And maybe ninety percent of His communication wants to come to us in those places. And why would He do it like this? Why wouldn't it just be a direct download from heaven, everything we need into our mind? Because God wants us anchored in truth, and truth is found in His Word. And God wants us anchored in community, together, with all the ups and downs of what community life is. This is where He's created us to thrive. And we'll miss out when we miss out on community. And so the principle of wise counsel is found here in 
community. And, and so, again, if you're frustrated not hearing from God, then I'd encourage you to consider that there's a fresh diving into his word or into seeking wise counsel from those around you. So, if wisdom is making daily decisions that lead towards flourishing for us and for others, wisdom is making daily decisions that lead towards flourishing for us or for others, I think a, a critical part that is so underutilized is the principle of wise counsel. Principle of wise counsel. So I was trying to think about how often I'd seek out wise counsel a week. And it's, it's interesting, right? If you think back through your week, or your month, when was the last time you asked someone for advice on relationships? On your spiritual life? Maybe you're stuck spiritually and trying to grind it out. When did you go to sit down last time and you asked someone who, who you'd value what they would say to you? What about your career, career advancement? Or, or again, parents as you're raising kids. When, and so as I was thinking back, how often do I ask for wise counsel? I don't know. It's multiple times a week. And, and an example, we had our overseer, John Pierce here, uh, and all the men's camp guys, and he was in church here on the weekend. It was amazing. Amazing. So I reckon I probably asked, so I had a note that I'd pre-made before he came, maybe 50 questions uh, across the time. And not annoyingly, like sit down and answer my questions, but just weaving them into our conversation, into our laughing, into our tennis game, into what's happening in life, but looking to draw wisdom from someone who I really respect. And so I think as a church, we can utilize this principle far more, far more. So a couple of thoughts around activating the principle of wise counsel. So we need to first find people to be intentional, Intentional eyes always on the lookout for people who are fruitful in, in particular areas. And so I think there's, there's a couple of, of criteria here that can be helpful for us. But if we're looking for people who are fruitful or have valued experience and they're a stage ahead of you. So like if you're parenting a newborn, who's someone who's parenting toddlers and their toddlers are half decent, uh, then... It's probably all you can hope for. Yeah. Um, and so, so that, that, that's good to ask because they've, they've got some experience there potentially that can help you. Or in your career, as you're, if you're trying to advance into a certain career, who's gone before you that we can seek out and, and ask uh, their advice? Or, or someone who's maybe in a similar frame to you but seems to be more fruitful or, or just kicking it at another level. And, and so then you, you could seek out counsel from them. So if life is just not going that great for you right now across multiple areas, then you look for someone who's someone who's got things going a little better for them. And then you, you try to figure out and ask questions and, and glean from what's going on in their, in their world. And so we need to be able to formulate good questions. Good questions get good answers. And, and so you may be chatting with someone and go, hey, what was really important for you at my stage? If we go back to the parenting thing, says so I'm parenting a newborn or a toddler as you're asking someone who's with primary school and in primary school with someone who's in high school and they're looking back, hey, what, what, what's a really important thing you did when you were at my stage? Uh, what would you do differently if you were going to go back? If you had a do-over, what would you do differently there? Uh, if you were me, 
if this is for someone who knows you, if you were me, and I give you permission to say whatever you want to say right now, give me one thing that you think I should change in my life right now. These kind of questions can be like kapow moments, like heaven touching down on earth and give someone permission to... So when we chat in the foyer after church, this is an opportunity... Not just to chat about, oh, it's cold today. If anyone says that after church, just turn that into, okay, now let's, let's think. What can we learn from each other in this moment? And we can learn something from, from all of us. And again, I can do this better. And, and so let, let's all try and utilize each other and the wisdom that lies in each other here. So chats in the foyer can be learning opportunities where the wisdom of heaven is downloaded into our heart. So seek it out. Seek it out. Uh, ask someone if, there, if there's someone you find out about. And if you, if, you don't, if you don't know who to go to to ask wise counsel, it's probably a little bell ringing say, saying it's time to engage more fully in community. Because if we fully engage in community, then, then even here across our church, there will be a multiplicity of relationships that form and then the connections. And so then there's going to be someone that we know we could talk to. And, and so ask someone, if you, hey, can I give you a call during the week? And I've got three questions I'd love to ask you. Can you spare me 15 minutes? And then you call exactly when you said you were going to, not one second late. You call when you said you were going to. You keep to your time limit. You say, thank you so much. And then you make sure you thank, send them a text and say, thank you again. Like that, that's, that's smart. Or you could go next level, take someone out for lunch and arrive early before the appointment. So you're there first. You then pay for lunch for whoever it is. And you have your questions prepared that are thoughtful and deep. And you glean wisdom from this person. Let's do it. Ignoring or underutilizing the principle of wise counsel, it simply limits our fruitfulness and our impact. 100%, no doubt about it. And can I just say, YouTube isn't what I'm talking about here. <laughs> there, there are great things that you can learn. I follow some incredibly wise people on YouTube, but it doesn't, it's not into our context here. Uh, so helpful, not what we're talking about here. But if, as we embrace and utilize the principle of wise counsel, it simply lifts our fruitfulness and lifts our impact in this world. And life matters too much. Life matters too much. And God has woven Christianity together in such a way that we need each other. We are better together. And we're designed to be relentlessly, endlessly growing together. This discipleship is, a, is, a, is an endless growth journey. And so each week, a little more like Christ, a little wiser, a little stronger, and, and we are all a part of that for each other. Can you stand to your feet with me, please? We're going to just spend a couple of minutes in prayer again now. So if you've switched into cafe mode, switch back into prayer mode right now. It's, it's coming. And so flick into gear. Uh, right now with me today. We're first going to pray for our leaders. And as, this, as we're talking about wisdom, the Bible encourages us re to relentlessly, endlessly pray for our leaders. So we're going to do that. And then we're going to pray for ourselves, okay? So you don't miss out. So 
It's all good. But right now, let's, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for the leaders that you have given us. Lord, we lift up our, our leaders at a federal and a state level. Lord, and, and we are praying that wisdom would be theirs. Lord, we, we pray that there would be the right voices that would come into the, into the earshot of our leaders. Lord, we're asking that you would guide and lead their decisions. We thank you for this incredible country that you've called us to live in. And so, God, we uphold our leaders. God, where we, where we differ in our opinions to theirs, God, that's, that's okay, but we're not going to stop praying for them because this is what you ask us to do. And so, Lord, would you bless them? Would you bless their families? Again, would you let supernatural wisdom from heaven? God, we ask that Christians would rise in our nation continually through generation after generation. Lord, that you would give a loud voice to. Lord, that the voice of integrity and truth, the the voice of your word would be heard. Lord, it would echo through the places of power in our nation. Lord, so bless our leaders, we ask, and help us to continually pray for them. Thank you, Lord. And for us right now, can you just hold your hands out to heaven, please? However, that's comfortable for you. Uh, God, God, we thank you that you say again, ask for wisdom and you'll you'll give to us without finding fault. And, And Lord, I admit, we admit that we fall short. There are times where we speak in ways that are so far from wise, where our actions have have been the opposite end of the spectrum, where we've where we've thought of ourselves as wise, but really we've been acting foolishly. We've just been wise in our own eyes. And so God, we I repent. Sorry. Lord, we give it to you. Every part of our falling short, we give to you. Let it not be hidden from you. Let us not pretend like we even could. But God, it's yours. It's yours. And instead, God, we take a hold of your grace, your love. And we ask for supernatural wisdom. God, if we're parents here, you want us to be even better parents and you want to help us do it. Why would we not want that, Lord? Lord, if we're married here, you want our marriage to be even tighter than what we want it to be. And so God, give us wisdom. Lord, in our careers, in our coming and going, in our relationships, our friendships and everything. Lord, you created the whole concept of flourishing. It exists in you. And so God, we want to step into that. And so give us wisdom, Lord, that we would flourish in your grace and love. And God, that we would usher others into that place. So fill us with wisdom, God. Help us. Lord, let motivations rise within us to seek, to learn, to grow, to develop, to, Lord, to grow closer together and for you to speak to us through your word. But God, through each other, we would download the wisdom around us. God, we thank you that you are glorified in all of this. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us here on our podcast. We encourage you to let this word further help you live and share the life to the full that Jesus gives. If you want to check out more about our upcoming events, service times, locations, or to give online, go to c3hh.com.au.